You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Listen, man, we've been talking about uh, different aspects of being a warrior and the, the difference between being a warrior and, uh, and being in the world. And we started last week, the world thinks struggle, but Christian warriors think war. And there's a big difference between struggle and war. And I, I went over some of this a couple of Wednesdays ago, but so some of this might be reviewed, but I mean, it's just in my heart to say it again. Struggle is strife and contention. War is an organized, large-scale, armed conflict. God, God wants us to be organized. He does everything decently and in order. If you're going to win a battle, you have to have an organization. You know, so God put together the church. I said, God put together the church, and he called, as I mentioned earlier from Philippians, he called apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors to care for, equip, and nurture the gifts that are inside of you so that you would do the work of the ministry, the work of the ministry that God's called you to do in order for the body of Christ to grow. That's how it works. We do it all together. Everybody has a role and everybody has a part. But so God has this organization, and he said, the gates of hell will not prevail, will not defeat the church. And so God's called us to organize and, and uh, not, not uh, partake in a physical war, for he said our battle's not with flesh and blood, but a spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle's for the lives of people, for the eternal lives of people. It's serious. It's the most serious battle that's taking place on the planet. It is. It's the most serious battle to, to take place on the planet. He said uh, struggle is, is a labor. War is, is an engagement. It's a conflict. Struggle is an attempt to, an attempt to break three, free. War is much stronger. It's a fight between two parties to be free. Not to attempt it, but to be free. People who struggle are attempting. They're trying. People who are at war, they are doing they are gaining freedom. There's a big difference between struggle and war. And we're not in a struggle. We're in a war. And so the first war starts, go with me to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 25. Romans 14, 25. The first, the first war starts within us. There's a battle that's taking place. 1425, let me get there. There is no 25. I don't know why I wrote that down. <laughs> Go with me. Let's skip that one. I wrote that damn wrong. I wrote that one down wrong. Let's go to Matthew 16. That, let's try that one. Let's see if I wrote that one down right. Matthew 16, 24 and 26. There is a 24 and there is a 26. It says, then Jesus says to his disciples, I truly want you to follow me. You should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. 
as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and you lose your life for my glory, you will continually, continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. For even if you were to gain all the wealth and power of this world at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? Then he says this, and what good and what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? He's saying, listen, if you lay down your life and deny your flesh and pick up my cross and follow me and be led by the spirit, not your flesh, he said, you'll gain life. There's a reward for it. We see it all the time. You know, it's amazing. John the Baptist said, Lord, let there be less of me and more of you. He said, I must decrease so you can increase. Guys, when we, when we give in less to our flesh and less to our own selfishness and we give in to God's spirit of giving our life away, that's truly how we gain life in this life, in the next it's amazing the rewards that come from laying down your own life before God and saying, God, my life's not my own. My life is yours. And following him. And man, it's amazing how life opens up to you when you stop being selfish and living for self and live for a bigger purpose. Life, the whole world starts opening up to you. Uh, life opens up, but when you live selfish, your life becomes narrower and narrower. I see it all the time. I see people choose self over God and self over people, and I see how their lives disintegrate right before my eyes. They lose relationships, they lose respect, they lose jobs. They, they just, selfishness just, just implodes upon itself. Whereas when you give your life away, man, life opens up and relationships become bigger and better and more. God adds to you. Uh, Julie and I have taught on this several years that selfishness is the reason why marriages end. Selfishness is the reason why marriages end. It's the reason why churches split. It's the reason why friendships are broken. Someone has decided to choose themselves over the relationship. It's the reason why people forsake God is because they're like, okay, God, I don't choose to live for you. I want my life back. And they take their life back and they get what they want. They get the results of their own decisions and they remove God's supernatural ability to make life better. And they invite in the kingdom of darkness that makes life worse. The first battle that has to take place is this battle that's within us. What do we choose? What will you choose? Will you choose self or will you choose to give yourself to God and give your life away and just experience what it's like to live for something bigger than self? It's an amazing life. Some of you experiencing it right now. The, the more you give your life to God, the, more, the bigger life gets. And the more, the more doors open to you, the, the, the life just starts happening and it's just better. Your mind is better. Your emotions are better. Your heart is stronger. Everything about you becomes better. The more you give your life away and the more you win this battle that takes place within us. Now go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. 
Verses 17 and 18 say this. It says, actually, let's start reading verse 15. I'm in, I'm in Ephesians. Golly, I'm all over the place tonight. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5. We'll start reading verse 16. Let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. So it's a yielding. It's a yielding. It's like, it's like coming to a, to a stop sign, and you come at the same time as someone else does, and one of you has to yield and let the other one go first. And so what, you're say, what he's saying is here is that you yield, you yield to the Holy Spirit and let him go in front of you. you he goes first and you follow. Or you can yield to your flesh, your selfishness, and say, you know what? I'm going to follow that. I'm going to follow selfishness. One or the other, you get to choose which one you submit to, which one you yield to. He said, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When, when your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. Each time we give in to our flesh, we hinder the Holy Spirit directing and living larger inside of us. And I want you to understand, the Holy Spirit is guiding us to what God wants for us. What does God want for us? He wants to give us our best life. He wants to give us our best life in this life, and he wants us to live together with him forever in the next one. He wants there to be this huge, massive family of fellowship and celebration and discovery without a devil, without any physical limitations. We live forever. It's an amazing promise. But we get to choose in this life, are we going to win the battle that's in here? Paul said, man, I have this battle, this war that's raging within me. We all have it. And you've got to overcome that first before you can do anything else. That has to happen first. You have to conquer self. You have to wage war with your flesh and conquer self. And it's a war. It's a, it's a heavy-duty battle. But if you can win it, more times than you lose it, God will begin to open doors to you. He'll begin to pull things out of you that you might not even know existed. Uh, it always amazes me how much people want to limit exactly what it said there. They limit the Holy Spirit moving in their life because they choose self or their selfish interest or their own flesh over choosing to follow the Holy Spirit. They yield to it instead of the Holy Spirit. And it just breaks people apart. It destroys people's lives. God doesn't want to destroy lives. He wants to bless lives. But we get to choose. We have to choose. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to hinder the Holy Spirit living big inside of me. There's several reasons why. One of the major reasons is I, I walk, when I, when I went to Los Angeles last week, and anytime I'm in a big crowd or a big place or in a mall or any uh, airport, man, you can ask my wife and my children. I'm watching these crowds. I'm a people watcher. But what I, what I always think about, what I always think about is, are they going to heaven? Are they going to make it? Or are they going to hell? Are they making it? Are they going to make it? 
I'm thinking about all these crowds because I, at the end time, 20 billion people are going to be gathered at the judgment seat. 20 billion. It's going to be a massive crowd. And each person is going to have to stand before God. Each person. And they're going to have to answer for their life. Whether they accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and submitted and yielded their flesh to God. Or they claimed their own life and said, I'm going to reject the mercy and the love of God and I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to follow, not Jesus, but I'm going to follow Satan where he's going. Man, their choices matter. Every choice you, every choice you, you make has an impact on other people around you. So what am I talking about? I want to yield to the Holy Spirit because I want more opportunities. I want to see more people go to heaven. I, want to, I hate to see sickness and disease. I hate it. I hate sickness and disease with a passion. And it's attacked my family over and over again in our church family. I saw a young lady the other day. She must have MS or MD, and her body was just all twisted. And I'm just like, oh, I, I hate sickness and disease. And I'm like, Father, I want more of your anointing flowing through me. And I know more of me must die for that to happen, not for my benefit, for theirs. And I'm not some martyr or the perfect person. It's not that I never pray about things for myself or anything like that. But man, I truly, and every Christian should truly have a heart to see other people's lives better. But it always begins with, on this, with this battle inside of us. What are we going to decide? I trust God with my life. We each, every one of us has to make that decision every day. Who are we going to trust, ourselves or God? Are we going to follow him or are we going to follow our flesh? Are we going to hinder the Holy Spirit or are we going to set the Holy Spirit free to do what he wants to do, not only in our life, but in the lives of those around us? He says this, in the Holy Spirit's intense cravings, hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces, there's a battle for freedom taking place, a war for freedom taking place within you. It says, so then the two incompatible and conflicting warring forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. There's a war between our flesh and our spirit. You know, they used to show it in old movies with a devil on one side and an angel on the other. And, and man, someone knew what they were talking about. There, there's a spiritual, they, and it would be this, it would be you. It would be you. You know, the devil would look like you and the angel would look like you. And they were both talking in an ear. And then this thing up here called your will would have to decide, are you going to follow that or are you going to follow that? Someone knew, someone knew spiritually exactly how that was taking place. They knew these scriptures because they, they showed it perfectly how it exists, that it's you, it's your battle, it's you fighting you. It's your spirit man fighting your flesh. But thank God, God gives us the Holy Spirit to gives us strength. He said this, he said this, he said, the craving, the intense cravings of the Holy Spirit hinder your self-life from dominating you. When you receive the Holy Spirit, and man, guys, in salvation we receive the Holy Spirit, but there's another, there's, a, there's two baptisms. There's a baptism by water and a baptism by the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and, and, and rise, really literally raises your spirit from the dead. And then there's, there's, a, there's a, and that, that's like a pool of water inside of you. It's like God pours the ocean inside of you, the Holy Spirit. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit start, starts not just flowing in you, but out of you. I don't know how to live without either one of them because when I'm in trouble, I always turn and I pray in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit, His intense cravings, His intense desire to help us, His intense, He's the helper. That's His name, the paraclete, Jesus called Him, our helper. He wants to come. He intensely wants to come and help us not yield to that selfish life and yield to our flesh. He wants to help us do the right thing. And He's intense. I love that about the Holy Spirit. Then it says in verse 18, it says, but when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. Soaring above it. We're gonna soar above this life, not below it. We're more than conquerors. God didn't expect us to be here. He expects, he wants to lift us up here. He wants to lift us up here where no matter what else is happening in life, even, even the issues and problems and situations in life, we're just soaring above them. Well, they still exist, yeah, but we're still above them. We're not below them, we're above them. What does that mean? We're gonna overcome them. We're gonna, we're gonna get around, above, through, whatever it takes, we're gonna get past it. And, and God said, we'll stand victorious. And so we're going to fight those battles and take those stands. And he said, we'll soar above it. Then he says in verse 19, the behavior of the self-life is obvious. He said, this is obvious. When you're living for self and living selfishly and yielding to your flesh and not the spirit, he said, you'll, you'll practice sexual immorality. You'll practice it. Lustful thoughts. Pornography. Chasing after things instead of God. Money, things, stuff. Manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Otherwise, jealousy and envy. When others are blessed, you, 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 you know, people are, when you're giving into your flesh, then you're gonna give into jealousy and envy. You're gonna be mad. You're actually gonna hate them for being more blessed than you are. It's crazy how this works. I remember when Julie and I were building our house, there was a doctor here in town, uh, uh, and he, he's still here, but I, you know, I would never say his name or anything like that. But he, he told one of his people who came to our church, he said, how dare them build a house down the street from me? How dare them? Those guys are pastors, how dare them? How dare them? Even someone that had more than we ever had was still mad when we were favored and blessed. Man, jealousy and envy, it doesn't come just from people that are, that are less fortunate than you. It can even come from people that are more fortunate than you because it, it knows no level of economics. It knows no level of, of stature. I've known bosses that, that were jealous and envious and hated some of their employees because they were more highly favored. Good things happened to them. They had better marriages and better lives. 
When you give in to the flesh and you lose this battle, resentment when others are favored will happen. Temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being otherwise, you, you aren't teachable. You don't, you don't think, you don't have a passionate, you can have a passionate opinion and still be teachable and say, man, I passionately believe this, but actually still listen to someone else's opinion. being envious of the blessings of others, murder. You know, God describes, when he said, thou shalt not murder, the Jews take it to this level. They said, if, 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 if Miss Linda and Brother Richard were to walk by me at a store and say, hey, Pastor Troy, how are you? And I actually saw them. You know, sometimes you don't hear people or, or see some. But I actually, they looked me right in the eye and said, hey, how are you? And I dismissed them. God says that when we treat people like that, we actually murder their self-esteem. We can murder someone's self-esteem. I was talking to one of our business owners in our church, and he was really encouraging his staff, and he, he said to him, he said, listen, you don't know how much a positive word can have an impact on someone. It might, need, might, need, might not need anything, mean anything to you, but it will mean something to them. You might have great self-esteem, but others might need a pat on the back and a little word of encouragement. You, you don't know how far a little word of encouragement can go. Like, man, that was so kind of you to do that. Or, man, I saw how you controlled your temper and you handled that professionally. Or, I, hey, man, you look really sharp. Your hair look, your new haircut looks really good. Or, I, I love my daughter. She just dishes out uh, compliments constantly. She just... She just dishes out compliments. I mean, it, it blesses me because they're not flattery. She's not trying to flatter anybody. She's very specific. I like your shoes. She'll say that to people walking through the grocery store. Just out of the blue, hey, I like your hair. And they're just like, what? This weird kid. But she's serious. And, and guys, we, we not only should not be, um, we should not only not, uh, not take someone's innocent, innocent life, but we should not also rob somebody of their self-esteem. We shouldn't murder someone else's self-esteem. And that doesn't mean we don't confront issues, and that don't mean we don't point out stuff that might be negative in their life, but even that should be with a heart to help them, not just to put them down. Amen? Amen. And so we shouldn't do that either. Uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? And then he goes into the fruit of the Spirit. He said, these are the fruits. When you're following the Spirit and not your flesh, you have joy, you have peace, you have patience, you have kindness. You're, you have a life of virtue. Otherwise, you live by the convictions of the Word of God in your life. You're not perfect, but you have a life of it. Faith prevails. You have a faith that prevails, a faith that overcomes whatever hardships and things you face. You have a faith that prevails. You have a gentleness of heart, and you have strength of spirit. And he said this, never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. These things are meant to be limitless in our lives. That there's no limit to joy or patience or peace or faith or kindness. 
There should be no limit. God has no limit. He pours those out liberally, and we should pour them out liberally too because there's no limit. But with, I mean, it's such a great contrast between the selfish life and the life of someone who's following the Spirit. What a tremendous contrast God gives us in this battle. And this is how you keep score. He's given us a scorecard. This is the scorecard. If, I, if I'm doing this, I'm losing to the flesh, to the enemy. If I'm doing this, I'm winning because I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit. Simple scorecard. It's easy to keep score with this stuff right here. Show me someone who's doing the stuff that's above in the flesh. I'll show you somebody who's, who's given in to selfishness. Selfishness. God wants us to be selfless, not selfish. And then to trust God that if we put his kingdom first and we follow him and we lay down our life, he said, he promised in those first scriptures in Matthew, he said, I'll give you a better life than you ever thought about. I'll give you a better life than you ever dreamed, even imagined. You know, my whole life since I was a second grader, I mean, I told my mama in second grade, I told her, I, said, I went to her at seven years old, and I said, Mama, I'm going to be a lawyer, and I'm going to be the president of the United States of America. <laughs> I pronounced it. I made an announcement. And my mom, you know, kind of chuckled like, man, this little seventh grader, or seven, seven-year-old, second grader saying that. But I, I believed it in third grade, and I believed it in fourth grade, and I believed it in fifth grade, and I believed it in sixth grade. And I believed it in seventh grade. And I believed it in eighth grade. After a while, my mom's like, you know what? This little character might pull it off. <laughs> Seriously, she started believing me. And guys, uh, that was what my flesh, my flesh wanted certain things. But when I got born again, I realized that the gifts that God had given, the passion that God had placed inside of me, was for the kingdom. And I'd rather do what I'm doing right here with you guys than being in that White House any day of the week. I'd much rather be here. I'm not saying that's a wrong profession. We need Christians to do that. But man, I realize the, the older I get, the more leadership that God trusts me with, I realize how much more important and how, how much bigger a purpose is what we're all doing together right here in Roswell, America, than what we would be doing in Washington, D.C. Man, what a difference. What a difference. What a difference following the Spirit can make versus following your flesh. It's an amazing thing when you yield to God, the life he'll give you, the people he'll put in your life. Gosh, it's such a higher purpose. I want to encourage you to win this first war, win this first battle that's taking place inside of you. I, I, I want to read again the qualities of yielding to the Spirit. You'll have joy, you'll have peace, and you'll have patience. You'll be kind, and you'll have a life full of virtue, conviction. You'll be able to live by them too, not just talk about them. You'll have a faith that prevails. 
You'll have a faith that prevails. That means you'll accomplish things by the spirit of faith. You'll believe things that no one can see and that look impossible that will come to pass. You'll have a gentleness of heart. Otherwise, you'll have compassion for others, and it'll be real. It'll be led by the Holy Spirit, not by your flesh. And you'll have strength of spirit. Otherwise, you'll have a strength inside of you that only comes from the Holy Spirit that no matter what happens in life, you won't be defeated. No matter how many times you mess up, no matter how many times you fall, you'll get up every time. There'll be a strength inside of you that says, that hurt, but I'm going to get up anyway. That, that didn't feel good, but I'm going to get up anyway. I did wrong here, but I'm going to get up anyway. There's a strength of spirit that comes with being led by the spirit. It's a much better life than falling and not getting up. I, I, the more I watch and the more I listen to people, I realize the, the immense depression, the spirit of depression. That's why drug addiction and alcoholism, self-medicating, has exploded on the American people. Exploded. It's exploded. Whether it's through pharmaceutical drugs or alcohol or drugs, it doesn't matter. It's exploded. That's why they're legalizing all these drugs throughout the nation. Because self-medication has exploded. Has exploded in America. And I hear, I hear professional athletes say, they ought to let us smoke dope because it gives me peace and it relaxes me and helps me go to sleep. And man, it takes all the pressure off me. Guys, that's just a mental, that's a mental issue that they're medicating with. They have a mental, they have an issue they can't resolve. Why? And then what does selfishness do? It not only leads you to these mental issues, but it, then it leads you to a solution that even makes it worse. Marijuana is a depressant. So you're depressed, you go take a depressant. Alcohol is a depressant. The solutions of the world and the solutions of selfishness always make the problem worse. Never better. Only being led by the Spirit do you not only overcome the problems, but you go beyond them and you start helping others. You live with a higher purpose. Wow. Galatians, did we already read, we already read Galatians 5, 17 and 15. Go with me once again. Actually, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I was going to take us back to Ephesians 6, 12, where it says our battle is not with flesh and blood, but I think we've completely established that, that our battle is a spiritual battle. And that God says in Ephesians uh, 6 that we're to know our enemy. Know the strategies of the devil. Know the strategies. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says this. Verse 9. You see, I wrote previously in order to, to see if your hearts would pass the test and if you were willing to follow my counsel and everything. If you freely forgive anyone for anything, then I also forgive him. And if I have forgiven anything, I did so for you before the face of Christ, so that we would not be exploited by the adversary. We have an adversary. His name is Satan. And, and he says, for we know his clever schemes. So one of the schemes right there of the enemy is to get you an unforgiveness. 
If we're to know the strategies of the enemy, let me tell you something. This is the number one scheme. If he can get you to walk in unforgiveness, then the Bible says God will not forgive you if you don't forgive others. So right then, you have separated yourself from the kingdom of God. If you died in that unforgiveness, you will not attain heaven because you will not be forgiven. Well, Pastor Troy, some things people do, uh, I, I, had, I had somebody, a relative, look me right in the eye and say, I'll never forgive this person for this. Never. I said, you know you'll go to hell? They said, yeah, I'm willing to, but I'll never forgive. And I'm like, you don't understand what you're saying. You don't get it. You, you'll be wrecked on the day you face God and realize where you're going. Because you harbored this unforgiveness towards others. Listen, God said, do not be ignorant to the strategies of the enemy. One of the number one things he'll try to get you to do, to live in the flesh, the number one thing he'll try to get you to do so that you will be separated from God, separated from his kingdom, separated from his blessings, is to get you to walk in unforgiveness. Because un the seed of unforgiveness turns into the root of bitterness. And if you've ever been around someone that's bitter, it's like they're wrapped in a dark cloud. You push a button and it just, man, they just start talking to you in bitterness. Just, I mean, everything's negative and everything's ugly and everything, no one's trustworthy and everybody's evil and all this is wrong. I mean, it's this root of bitterness is inside of them. I'm going to tell you, if that's you, you, there's hope. There's hope for you because in the name of Jesus, he'll uproot and rip that root of bitterness right out of you. But you have to make a choice. Listen, it's like pulling a weed. He'll pull the whole root out. But you have to make a choice to forgive. And I'm going to say this to you. Forgiveness is never, if you base it on emotion, you'll always not do it. You gotta base it on a decision. I decide to forgive this person. It doesn't make it right what they did. It never, that's between, God will deal with them. God will deal with them. But you have to choose to forgive. It's a decision, like I said, of your will. It's a decision of your will to say, I'm not falling for this trick. The Satan's not gonna exploit me. He's not gonna take advantage of me. I will not. I will not hang on to unforgiveness. I will forgive this person by choice, and I'm going to move on with my life. These are just some of the battles we have to, we have to go through. And I, I want to say this again. In Revelations 20.10, it says point blank. Revelations 20.10. I don't have time to turn to it, but it says point blank. Satan will be totally eliminated. Him and all his angels, all the demons will be cast into the lake of fire. He has an incoming. He's a defeated foe. His attitude is, I want to take as many human beings with me as possible. Don't choose to follow him. Don't go with him. God's made a way to not only, to not only save us, but to help us by the Holy Spirit to not follow that path, but to go another direction to follow Jesus. But we need to understand. I'm gonna end with two thoughts. In John 8, 44, Jesus makes it really clear. He says to the Pharisees, yeah, you have a father. Your father's the father of lies. He's been a murderer from the beginning and he's the father of lies. You know, I had a friend named Kelly, Kelly Kassman. I still have a friend named Kelly Kassman. 
And one day, he, one night he called me about three in the morning and said, hey, this guy's name Tiny was over his house. Tiny was a, one of those nicknames. He was massive, you know. He's one of those opposite nicknames, you know. And Tiny was a big guy, but Tiny struggled with drugs. And one night he showed up at Kelly's front door and said, hey, I, I, I'm just so lost. And Kelly invited him into the house and he, he ministered to him. They called me and said, hey, what do you want me to do with them tonight? And so we worked out a plan to take care of Tiny, get him to a place, get him in a rehab and, and really try to help him. And, but when I was talking to him, I said, I said, what did you see in the spiritual realm with him? And he said, well, first, of course, I first saw the spirit of deception. And then I saw blah, 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 blah. And when we went through this conversation, after we talked about it, I came back at the end of the conversation. I said, what do you mean you, you of course, first saw the spirit of deception? He said, every time I deal with somebody that's dealing with a demonic spirit, the spirit of deception is always there first. And so we ended the conversation. I tried to go to sleep, but that thing kept rolling in my mind. Like, Father, where's a scripture? Because I asked him, I said, give me a scripture on that. He goes, I don't have one. I've never really thought about it. I just always see that in these people. And so I, I went to bed thinking, where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? And then he took me back to Genesis where Eve said, when God said, Eve, what have you done? She said, first I was deceived. Then I acted. We have to understand that you first must believe a lie before you can commit a sin. You must believe the lie that you can either get away with it or the lie that somehow this is going to make your life better or this is going to feel better than making a right decision. We got to understand Satan's a liar. He's, he's, a, he's a deceiver. He's a trickster. And his whole point of lying is to murder you. He first, he loves it when he first destroys who you are as a person and destroys your identity. Then he'll take your life. But first he wants to destroy you because he wants to wound you to a point. He wants to destroy your life and take you so low that you hurt all the other people around you first. Then he'll, then he'll try to take your life. That's why he drives so many people into depression where he drives them to the ultimate end. What is it? Suicide. He wants to drag as many people down as possible. But there's a way to fight that. We'll pick that up. Not next Wednesday. I, my friend, Pastor John Smith from Detroit, is going to be preaching here Wednesday night. He's going to do a great job. <laughs> Pastor John's going to do a great job. So after that, we'll pick this up. But I want to end with this. One of the ways you fight it is found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, where God instructed Joshua. He said, do not let this word depart from your mouth. And he said, meditate on my word day and night. Day and night. How you battle those thoughts, how you, how you get past depression, how you get past negative thoughts, it's temptation, is that you got to fill your mind with the word of God. You got to fill your mind with the word of God. Other, if you don't have the word, you have nothing to fight with. If you don't have the word, you have nothing to fight with. Some people try to battle these thoughts on their own, and that's where they end up self-medicating or getting medication from the doctor, and they're they just coping with depression, coping with these issues. They're just coping by drugging themselves. It's a coping mechanism. It's not a healing 
The only way to get healed is to begin to fill your mind with the Word. And then the Word, because the Word is anointed by the whole, same Holy Spirit that's living in you, is in the Word. And they, get in, they, get, they connect with one another. The Word and the Spirit connect and start driving. Start driving those negative thoughts. Start driving that unforgiveness. Start driving that lust. Start driving that jealousy. Start driving that rudeness. Start driving that anger. Start driving that junk right out of you. Like poison. It drives it out. That's why Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth is the word of God. It will set you free. That's the freedom that we need. That's the freedom that we seek. This is the difference between how the world thinks struggle and Christians think war. We go to war with, the, with our flesh and we defeat it. We go to war with the enemy and we defeat it. And how do we go to war? The Word. The Word, the Word, the Word. Never forget Exodus 15, 3. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is a warrior. And so are we. We are His kids. Amen? Listen, every head bowed and eye closed. Whether here or online, God loves you. He loved, he loved me, he loved you, even when we were his enemies. He sent his son Jesus to die to save us. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Nothing. There's no act we can commit. There's no religious custom we can follow. He offers us his forgiveness, his lordship, and his kingdom as a gift. All we can do is receive it as a gift, just like you receive any gift, except this is the greatest gift ever given to mankind. It's the gift of forgiveness. It's the gift of heaven. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit now living inside of you and now leading and guiding you away from the flesh, the things of a flesh, and leading you to the things of the Spirit, a better life, an eternal life. Instead of death, instead of despair in this life, in hell forever, death forever, He offers you life forever. But it's your choice. I always say he'll never make you. He just offers it to you. And so tonight, if you've never prayed and received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you've never prayed. First time I prayed was to receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. And I gladly gave him the life I had in exchange for the life he offered me. A better life. A better life.
eternal life. If you've never prayed and you want to pray right now, we want to pray with you. Whether online, tonight or next week, whenever you're watching this, it's still good. Don't don't think because you're not watching this live, if you're watching this later on this week, that it doesn't apply to you. The same God that's here will be the same God there. There and then. Same God that's in this room is the same God that's in your room. So if you're watching online, I'm going to ask you, if you want to pray for the first time, just to send us a note and say, say, man, I'm, I'm praying for the first time tonight. I'm going to trust God and I'm going to give him my life. I'm tired of living selfish and seeing the results of it. I want to live for his purpose, a higher purpose. And I want the life that he had planned for me, not the one I, I had planned. So much better. So much better. In this room, if you want to pray for the first time, I'm asking you to do two things. First one is, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand up and say, it's me. I'm, I'm going to pray and get right with God. The next one is just to pray. But I also want to give people an opportunity because I needed so many opportunities because I, I blew it so many times and had to run to my father. I still do. That if you've run away from God, your heart's far away from him, you just need to come home. I want to give you a chance to pray too. For God's not a God of a second chance. He's a God of another chance. Here's your, here's, your, here's your chance. Here's an opportunity to come home, to run home. But I'm going to ask you, run home and stay this time. Don't run away from him again. Always run to him. So online, whether it's your first time, if it's your first time, just send us that message. This is my first time. Or your next time, send us that message. Hey, I need another chance. I'm praying tonight. In this room whether it's your first time or you just need another chance and you're going to pray tonight, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high here right now and then we're going to pray. Here we go. One, two, three, just raise your hand up and say, I need another chance. I need to pray tonight and get right with God. Thank you all over this room. Wow, that's so awesome. And so whether online or here, we're all going to pray together and let's all pray this with those that have raised their hand and those online that are watching tonight. Say this together. Say, God, come on, let's all do it together. God, I believe that you are God and God alone. I believe you love us. So you sent Jesus to die for our sins. His holy blood for our sins. And he did it. He died for us. And you raised him from the dead. And you conquered sin and death to rescue us. I believe that. And because I do, I ask you, God, 
in the name of Jesus to forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your forgiveness right now. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I lay down my life as you did. As you did for me, I lay down my life for you. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit living inside of me right now, changing me, helping me, guiding me, teaching me how to live a life, giving my life away. Thank you for saving me and giving me heaven as my home. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's praise God. Wow. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.